Alrighty, welcome listeners to another episode of the Banquet Hall podcast. Uh, for new listeners, make sure y'all follow the podcast on social media and subscribe to our RSS feed at Banquet Hall Pod. Uh, I'm joined by a couple of individuals who are involved with a community organization called Fear Made Voices. Uh, definitely looking forward to getting the uh, story of Fear Made Voices out there, especially in anticipation of an event coming up this Saturday on February 10th, uh, collaboration with Fear Made Voices and Black Expression. Uh, but I'm joined by Steve and Bertine. How are y'all doing today? Good, thank you. Thank you for having us. Been great, thank you for having us. Of course, and I'm just very blessed to be able to be in community with y'all and to uh, to share y'all's story with our listeners. Uh, so I wanted to go ahead and get started right from the top. Uh, if one of y'all don't mind describing what is Fear Made Voices and how did it start? Well, um... Fear Voices is a poetry collective here based in San Diego. How did it start? Uh, basically, we were performing at a different locations that we noticed that we didn't fit. Uh, simple as that. We were actually, uh, Steve and I, we met on, a, on one of them, one of those the, uh, poetry open mics and um, we connect and we were like trying to do something different. We started this uh, back in May of 2023 uh, with other, along with other poets, uh, we started this movement about creating our own place where we can share our stories with our own way of, uh, of communicate with our own language. You know, many of us, we have a second language. Some of us is our first language, which is Spanish. We have our uh, traditions and references that many other people don't get. So we really needed this spaces. And Steve can tell you that we didn't have any spaces like this from 20 years ago. Steve? Yeah, uh, basically it started because, uh, you know, we weren't being represented in our stories, our culture. Uh, and then when we go read other places, they kind of be lost hearing our backgrounds and whatnot, you know. Um, so, so we needed something of our own. You know? And fortunately enough, uh, thanks to the team and the Chicano Park Steering Committee, they gave us a home at the Chicano Park kiosk to hold events, as well as the Centro Cultura de la Raza and Balboa Park, they gave us a home too. You know, we have a very good foundation with them and we're very uh, blessed to do so. Um, yeah, the last great Chicano collective, Mexican collective, well, it was 20 years ago, it was a both off the project. Um, the first variation was very much kind of like what we're doing right now. And I was a part of that uh, as a teenager. So to be a part of the last great one and then new great one here, uh, 20 years later, I'm kind of dating myself, outdating myself, right? But uh, I know it's a beautiful thing to be a part of the past and the present here. So uh, we're very, you know, we're still in our infancy. We've been around eight months, but we're very proud to see how, how much has grown in the eight months. Absolutely. And Steve, you don't look a day over 21. So it's surprising to hear that you were around <laughs> for those movements 20 years oh, ago. Oh, oh. Cheers. Uh, right. cheers to that. <laughs> and thank, you for, thank you for the compliment. Too. Appreciate it. Uh, cheers to that as well. Um, and I think that that is very important to mention with regards to finding a place uh, where you feel represented and where you have a sense of belonging, because 
I think when you look at San Diego in the media, a lot of people only talk about like palm trees, they show La Jolla, they show the beaches, but they don't really show the rich communities that are present in San Diego. And I think that that's really reflective of the space that artists serve because similar to Black Expression, we created a space where we felt comfortable, where folks can come and be in community and feel like they can share and express themselves. And one thing that you mentioned, I think Bertine mentioned it, uh, language and uh, upbringing is so important in the art that you're creating as well. Uh, why do you think it's important for there to be more spaces where folks who have a different language background have a way to express themselves in a comfortable manner? Why is that so important to you? I think that it's because it's kind of like any type of communication. You need to have a receptor, right? And when you feel confident to express yourself, you're also expecting someone to understand it, to know what you're feeling. Sometimes we were throwing words in Spanish or Spanglish, how we call it, you know, that we were feeling it. We were kind of like, oh, this is what I feel. This is what I represent. And this is the only way I can communicate the right way. I can't, I can't just speak Spanish. I can't just speak English. I need to do a mixture because that's who I am. And I need someone that identifies like me to get it. And it's kind of like comedy. You're looking for a punchline to land with the right delivery. And if someone doesn't get it back, you feel it. Even if you don't get a, a snapping fingers or claps or a hmm, you feel the energy within the audience that they're getting what you're saying. And that's what was happening to us. We weren't getting it, but you, man, the experience right now with, with our open mics, it's way different. It's a, it's a very, very nice experience. Yes. After pick back what Bertine said, um, you, you know, we had a reader from, from Mexico city read with us in November at the central bubble park. And she thanked us so much. She said, you know, I watch you guys from Mexico city. And, and whenever I got the chance to come to, to San Diego, I wanted to read with you guys. So uh, it's just a sense of identity. You know, everybody has a story, no matter what language. And uh, it's just, it's not fair that, you know, if they went to this place or this place, you know, their story would get lost, lost in translation, so to speak, right? So uh, the fact that, you know, we could give them a home and, and they could share their stories with us, you know, it's a beautiful thing as well. Oh yeah, that's, that's another thing that, that I forgot to mention. Our space, it's, the only open mic in San Diego where people can come and, and read in Spanish because you know most of all understand it. I know that many of our you know some of our Chicano community don't really speak Spanish fluently, but we all get it 100 percent So it's like we are the only space where they can come and read in Spanish and we know what they're talking about because our parents speak Spanish with their grandpa, their grandma. So is a yeah that's a, I think that's a very important thing. That, that we need to um, continue to do, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and even as someone who does not speak Spanish, I think the open mics that I go to when I do hear a poet 
or artist share something and they're using Spanglish or they have some Spanish in their poetry, even though I don't understand all the words that are being said, I think there's still a way to connect with somebody by just hearing the way they're speaking and the tone of their voice and the cadence of their words. And then I think that's where it's really important to have conversations with people afterward and learn like, hey, uh, can you tell me more about this piece or what this piece means to you? And it surprises me that San Diego doesn't have more spaces like that where there are open mics where uh, poets are comfortable speaking in their native tongue and being able to just express themselves in a way that is connecting with their audience and using the exact words they use without having to translate it for English speakers. Yeah, for sure. Actually, um, now that you mentioned that, we had a we had a poet from Puerto Rico that, that he came on to one of our readings and some of the people, we, he was using, um, we can't say a little bit more complex Spanish that we're you know used to, but the way he was reading it, it was amazing. You can feel it. So I totally agree with you, yeah. And through creating Firme Voices, what have you all learned about uh, the art community in San Diego. Is there anything that has stood out to you about the poets and the artists that have been coming to the open mics? Steve? Um, what I learned is that there was just the, there, there was just the hunger for this, for what we do. You know, it had been so long and, and, and generally when you take something away from somebody or people for so long, there's a desire to, for when it comes back mm. to want to share and have their stories told. So I learned that there was a real hunger for, for something like this to come back. You know, we've grown quickly and I think because it's because of that too. Um, another thing that just amazes me is, is the first time readers that come to our open mics. It's like, man, they've been reading for like five, 10, 15 years. I'm always, always blown away by the amount of talent that we get. First time readers, not even nervous or anything. The stories we hear and you know, of course we love to see them come back again. But just just the amount mm. of talent in this region, untapped talent, as I call it, diamonds in the rough. A lot of diamonds in the rough that are looking for a home. So I'm glad that we could kind of provide that space, uh, you know, for a lot of different individuals from the community. You know, we just had a lot of event this past Saturday, and we had you know Mexican, African American, Filipino, and Samoan. We had we had all you know all people represented, and that's that's a beautiful thing to hear stories from all different backgrounds and cultures. That's, that makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, and um, you know, following on what he said, this we found before when we started this movement, we found that there was a lot of voices out there that needed this space, mm -hmm. a lot of poets waiting for this. And when I had the chance to go to uh, and talk to the Chicano Park Steering Committee and you know pitch the idea about doing an open mic at the kiosk. You know this amazing stage for Chicanos. They were they basically told me we were waiting for you guys for long. We were waiting for this because poetry is part of our history in San Diego, in California, and in most of our our, our Hispanic communities. And especially because of the movements that were back in the day, you know, the '60s and '70s, poetry was part of the of that struggle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, Chicanismo is part uh, of our history and poetry belongs to that. So it's kind of like it was needed, definitely. So that's why I think we're having a lot of, uh, you know, people following us 
people are uh, attending to our, our our open mics because of that because it was it was something that people needed you know when we met with uh you know i, I don't want to butcher uh his name the kobe from black expression oh yeah butcher the name um yeah kobe. uh yep. he, he came to read with us in december and after the show uh he told us he said man you know we've been waiting for a group like you guys for seven years you know mm. And that's kind of like the general idea we get. And I, I totally understood what he was saying, you know, the type of political poetry we do, satire, social comment, social political commentary. That's, that's important. We're going through a lot of things, not just in the city, state, and the world. And, uh, you know, people want to express their frustrations and feelings towards that. So, you know, I'm glad we could give um, all types of uh, poetry, social commentary, satire, you know, all, all readers a whole like that. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely echo what Kovu said, because I think once we created, once Black Expression was a space that was created and we saw that there was a need for this space for a lot of Black people in San Diego, I can only imagine what that experience is like for folks who maybe they come to Black Expression and they appreciate the community feel for it. But like we've mentioned, Black Expression doesn't have Spanish speakers hosting it. And so to be able to have another space that cares about people and cares about community, uh, because one of the things I've read when I was uh, doing research for this episode, uh, you talk about where poetry, culture, and community unite. And that's so key for our Black and Brown communities to be able to have a space where you don't have to explain why you say things a certain way. You don't ex have to explain what this part of a poem means. And I really appreciate what Bertine mentioned about uh, poetry being a part of this legacy and this history, because we're recording this uh, during Black History Month, of course, and growing up, we hear about these Black poets and these uh, famous Black poems that have been written and people memorize them, people perform them. And I think it's so important for even folks that don't identify uh, with the Latinx culture to be able to come to a space and learn through poets and learn through artists. So I'm uh, just really happy that you all are able to curate the space for community and uh, really excited to see it grow because in only eight months time, the platform that you all have, is only going to get bigger from here and you already have such a strong following. And I'm hoping that through this podcast, we can introduce even more people to what you're doing so we can share and grow uh, throughout the communities. Because I mentioned before we started recording, but I went to school at UC San Diego and there's plenty of black and brown students on that campus that might be looking for a home similar to this and want to just make sure we're able to amplify this place and community. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, to piggyback, that... uh, piggyback off what you just said, you know, the two most followed groups, you know, if you want to talk about social media or black and brown poetry. And that's, you know, cheers to that too, brother. I mean, it, it says a lot too, you know, that our stories are so intertwined when we look at our communities, the things going on, things we talk about, police brutality, you know, what just happened with the storm drains, you know, flooding mm -hmm. in black and brown communities. You know, we all need an outlet and we all go through that together. So um, I think there's overall thirst and hunger to, to tell those stories, man, that being so connected to you. For sure. Yes, you know, and also uh, I want to take, you know, this opportunity because uh, all that you said, Kyler, you know, I have to, uh, I have to thank uh, uh, Steve because, you know, we keep growing. We keep growing thanks to him. I was about to, you know, to quit. He knows that. I was about to quit and, you know, just forget about this. Sometimes we have struggles, even within our own community. Um, we get 
sometimes hard times that we don't get support and we're kind of like just tired of looking for spaces or looking for support or just, you know, getting a lot of hate from everywhere. So there was a point that I was like, forget about it. You know, let's, let's leave this to someone else who wants to do it. And then Steve and I had a conversation. Um, we decided that he was going to, uh, be involved a lot and you know he's the front man right now of free my voices and he's doing you should see his video he's, he's he went viral right now uh with an um with a piece about you know canceling art which something that we also kind of like have an experience um trying to cancel us but you know we're here and we're gonna keep growing yeah um you know what Bertine said, uh, yeah, it was true. You know, uh, we had, we did have a talk about that. And, and I felt that, you know, with my past and my past dealings, you know, with the Bosalta, you know, back when I read with them. And then I was a writer for La Prince of San Diego. So I, I have a little bit of know-how, background, community and whatnot. So I basically told him, yeah, man, just, I said, give me the ball. I'll be with Daniel Tomlinson circa 19, <laughs> circa 2006 and seven. And, and we'll run with it and we're going to grow it. And, you know, we're going to grow this thing. And we kind of had, we kind of had to do a little shift and go more, uh, more politically that way, because, uh, you know, we were born and bred in Barrio Logan and that community, that neighborhood is known for its activism, you know, since uh, the residents got together to fight for Chicano Park. So, so we really needed to uh, embody the place that we were born and bred in. And so once we started, you know, once that switch started, you know, uh, I think that kind of uh, piqued the interest of a lot more people, and and we've been running, you know, with it ever since. So, um, but you know, Bertine is, you know, he brought me in, Bertine. So, you know, thank you to him as well. Hey, if you're the LT of Female Voices, I think y'all are in a good position because uh, LT is <laughs> what got me into football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, 2007 charge, 2008 charge. Great time in football. <laughs> <laughs> Great time for the city for sure. Uh, Steve, do you mind expanding a little bit to talk a little bit about the importance of spaces like Chicano Park and Barrio Logan, especially for uh, listeners who might not be familiar with Barrio Logan and that part of San Diego? Because I know just being able to be in those spaces and be in that community is a very important part of Fear My Voices. Uh, it is a very important part. Uh, I spent the first 30 years of my life living there. So I seen it firsthand, pre-gentrification and post-gentrification, which I write about a lot. And uh, I, I saw the change happen in 2004 when Petco Park came. Uh, that's when the gentrification started. You know, the homes in the neighborhood, you know, started to skyrocket. My neighbors started getting kicked out. You know, uh, the hipsters started coming in. But, uh, you know, it's given people like me that grew, grew up there our attributes, you know, our hard work ethic. That's what we saw growing up, you know. Uh, giving us a sense of culture, sense of pride. You know, it's in our DNA, the fabric of who we are as a people. Um, my my grandma lived 80 years in Logan Heights. My father lived over 60 years, and he's still living, but he's lived 60 years in Barrio Logan. And they never once thought about leaving because they, they love the sense of community, they love the sense of culture, and they have a pride for it. And if you grow up, you know, in any hood or barrio, you always, uh, you know, have an affinity towards it. You know, it's always... Uh, you know, you always want to fight for it. You know, it's who you are. And so, uh, you know, with me and my commentary, 
I talk about our issues. I talk about, we have one of the worst uh, toxic air pollution in the state of California. You know, I talk about that. We talk about uh, the police, you know, harassing our youth and throwing them down at, at Chicano Park and driving through our park like men, men, you know. So, uh, you know, when you have, when you grow up in that environment, I don't think you have a choice but to speak up for, for the things going on. And even though it's heavily gentrified, stuff still happens. You know that, you know, I mean, stuff still happens. So. Bertine, anything you would like to add about Chicano Park and that part of San Diego? Well, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm just going to quote uh, something that a poet told me about this space. When, when she performed there, she was like, this is the best stage in the world. You have the kiosk with the best art gallery around the world. You guys are lucky. You guys are blessed with this. So just imagine, you know, reading uh, at a symbolic place that represents the struggle of the Chicano community is amazing. So I think, I think it represents a lot and it means a lot uh, to us as Chicanos and for our movement to be part of it, to being, you know, endorsed by the Chicano Park Steering Committee to be there, it, it's amazing. It's a blessing for us and we're thankful for, for, for having that opportunity. And that's why we wanna share that opportunity to, to whoever wants to be part of it. And it's not only for Chicanos, it's not only for Mexican-Americans or Hispanic, Latinos, or however you wanna call it. That's a kind of like a misconception that, it, that some people have. No, it's, it's an open mic. Anyone is welcome, anyone can have that experience. Any topic, I know, you know, Steve just mentioned that we became uh, a little bit more political. Even myself, I was I was very um, kind of like warm on that side. And then when, when Steve came in, we, we all started trying to talk about issues, started to talk about that. And but but that doesn't mean we don't accept any other type of style or writing or poetry. So everyone's welcome uh, to, to come and enjoy this amazing opportunity to be part of history, actually. Yeah, definitely echo that people are being a part of history when they come to art spaces like this and sharing their talents as well as sharing the event in itself. And you mentioned that Freeway Voices is not something that is just for people of a certain identity. And uh, that's something that I feel I always like explaining about Black expression as well, because I have friends who say, oh, I don't want to go because I don't want to intrude on a Black space. And it's like, yes, Black expression is emphasizing a lot of Black poets and Black artists, but anybody is welcome to come and have a good time. As long as you're not weird. We don't like people coming and messing up the, <laughs> the vibe of community, of course. Uh, but no, I'm just kidding. But I think that's I think that's a good transition to uh, bring up the fact that Firme Voices and Black Expression are collaborating to have an event this coming Saturday, February 10th at 6 p.m., uh, can you want to give a little details about this event and the importance of it, where the event's going to be located at? Yeah, before uh, before Steve uh, shared the details, I just want to sh uh, share that, you know, we, as Black and Browns, we share the same troubles many of the times, systematic uh, racism, and a long list that we won't stop tonight. <laughs> so, but we are, just like Steve said a while ago, um, Kobo was like, we were waiting for you guys for a long time. 
And definitely when he said when he said that, when we found out what, what, what black expression was, we were like, yeah, we need to do this. It was for sure that we needed to do this. So it happened. It happened. And we're so excited about this. Yeah, as far as the details, it's Saturday, February 10th, uh, Babo Park, Central Cultura de la Raza, which is right next to the World Beat Center, right next to it. It looks just like the same building. And uh, it's going to be our third time performing there. Uh, we're very excited for this event. You know, every, anybody and everybody that we told about it had a big smile on their face. Right? You know, they're what's what's such a great idea, you know, and uh, I think... With female voices and and expressive black expression, uh, you know our poetry, our commentaries are real. You know, the real, raw, rough, and rugged for ours, as I like to say it. You know, and, and you know you're not going to hear a lot of rainbows and, and butterflies and, and unicorns. You're not going to hear a lot of stuff about that because that's not the life that we grew up in. We grew up in very difficult situations. We struggled. So you're gonna hear a lot about that. You're gonna hear about history. You know, the piece I read mentions, touches on the Mexican-American War and, and what happened there and then I'm gonna intertwine it with my personal story. So you're gonna hear about history, you're gonna hear about culture, but you're gonna hear real stories from real communities, um, underserved communities, you know, that were once voiceless, us voiceless for 20 years until <laughs> till Female Voices came about. So we're very excited. Um, we hope everybody can make it, you know, uh, hope for a great turnout and just a great night of poetry and poesia. So. Awesome. And before we close out, I know that Family Voices also has a podcast. You want to share a little bit about the podcast in case folks want to tune in and hear some of the artists that have performed at Family Voices? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the idea of a podcast, it was because we were having um, you know, people attending to our open mics that they were just like trying to see if they had the courage to go on the mic. And some of them, they couldn't. They were so nervous. They were afraid of being in front of people, uh, stage fright. So we're like, okay, what we can do is we create a platform where they can just record from home. They can just do it by themselves. And we're going to give them another platform to share their stories, to share their poetry. And we first started the first episodes uh, by uh, me talking, hosting, because they were sending just one or two poems. And I was like, just like introducing them and, telling, you know, they reading their poems. Uh, but then we decided to have them to share their episode by themselves. Just they introducing themselves reading them poems, talking about, you know, why, what inspired them to write them, and then read them, and then an outro at the end. That way they can feel more, more comfortable talking that it's just them. And even when the episode comes out, that they can share the episode with their family, with their friends, and they will just say, you know, hey, listen to my poetry. It's just me talking. So... That's what we've been doing. We've inviting poets from all over the world. It's not just here in San Diego. It's whoever. And like I said before, it's not just for Hispanics or Chicanos. It's just whoever wants to share their poetry. 
And that's a platform that we wanted to create as another space for, for the voices to be heard. And yeah, everyone is welcome. Like, you know, just uh, send us an email or a, a direct message on Instagram, and then we'll let you know. Just Or you, if you just want to re-record, listen to the episodes and kind of see how the structure is and record yourself, send it to us. And for sure, we will, we will uh, publish it. And we are available on all uh, podcast platforms as well. So um, yeah, if, if you... Try to just you know record it in a also in a in a space with a without noise in the background. Uh, I kind of edit it a little bit so it can sound better, but yeah, that's an invitation for everyone that wants to share the words on our podcast. Yeah, Lovely. I hope to hear. Uh, we hope to hear Kyler soon on female voices. Oh yeah, for sure. He's invited already, but I don't know. He kind of ignored me, man. Um, <laughs> No, I wanted to make sure I got this episode recorded first and I was able to get people to tune in, but it's definitely on my list to uh, send you all an email. I'm just figuring out what poems I want to include. I'm actually in the process of working on another poetry book too, so it'll be perfect timing. Nice. All right. Yeah, definitely not ignoring you. Don't worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation thus far. Before we close out, I just wanted to ask one last question, and that's just how can people support Fermi Voices, whether it's uh, ways they can support monetarily with money or just ways they can support the mission that Fermi Voices has? How can people support you all? Well, yeah, definitely our events are free. Everyone's welcome to go. We don't charge anything, and we don't put any, you know, notice or comment about uh, donations uh, i know and there's a say that you know many of poets are poor so <laughs> we get it <laughs> uh well probably uh probably some of them they do get grant monies but not us um or not yet but uh, supporting our social media following us liking us sharing our stuff just like the way we're doing it with a with our viral video uh, from steve Yeah, uh, just to piggyback off what Bertin says, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll never charge for, for any uh, one of our events. It's just something that we're adamant about. You know, we'd rather go out of pocket. Uh, you know, have, we have readers that that can't muster up the, the bus fare to come join. So it's not fair for, for us to to charge to, you know, read at an open mic. That's just us. Uh, um, you know, we're thinking of having you know, cool projects in the future, movie projects, uh, like movie nights and whatnot. And, and, you know, we're still not going to, try to charge for that. Um, I just want to add, you know, whenever you see Frame of Voices, uh, just know that, you know, we're trying to do good for the community to uplift Brown Chicano voices. Um, I want to uh, give props to Bertine and, and myself. Uh, we just been named Artists in Residence for a project called uh, Rasa Rise, which is funded by the Environmental Health Coalition. And we'll be doing workshops with high school students with their senior projects. And we'll be doing poems about the environment and how bad the environment is in Barrio Logan. And we're doing poems about, um, about um, you know, different aspects of Barrio Logan with the senior students. So we're very excited. We're very proud to be a part of it. Um, thank you to Mario Torero, the master muralist, a legendary muralist from Chicano Park, and his wife, Sarah, for inviting us to be part of this project. Amazing. I'm just very appreciative of the work you two are doing for community. 
uh, Fear My Voices is young, but I can already see just how much potential it has as an organization, as a group, as a community to make so much tangible impact. As you all know, as curators of an open mic space, uh, sometimes that open mic space, whether it's just five minutes, someone speaking on a mic, it's healing for a lot of people. Uh, it saves a lot of people. And so I uh, just want to say that out loud because I think we owe it to ourselves to validate and affirm these artistic spaces that we have in our communities and just continue to build and amplify and grow as community together. I uh, highly encourage our listeners of the Banquet Hall to tune into Fear My Voices podcast to hear some really dope artists. Uh, if you're in the San Diego area, check out the events. Uh, can you give a shout out to where uh, people can find Fear My Voices on social media, what the tag is? Yeah, um, our main, well, actually, we only have Instagram. It's um, at firme underscore voices. And right there, you can find everything, all the events. We have a, a, our main events pinned. So that's where you can find most of the info. We are. We also have a, a website, which is firmevoices.org, which directs to our uh, podcast uh, page uh, that we have hosted on Buzzsprout. And you can find some information there as well. That's where you can listen to the podcast. We are working on creating our website with, with all the info, with, with many other information that we're working on. Uh, but we're, we're getting there. Yeah. Awesome. And pretty soon you will be able to hear my poetry on the Fear My Voices feed as well, uh, making it a guarantee and a promise on record uh, that I'm going to pick a few poems and make sure I get that episode out there. Uh, but thank you both for just your time this evening to be able to share a little bit about Fear My Voices. Uh, of course, I wanted to make sure we had this to publicize the event, but I think even beyond this upcoming event, uh, it's just important that we continue to share these stories so that artists can be heard. And if there's an artist listening to this and they're looking for a space like this now that they know uh, Fear My Voices exists. So uh, encouraging you, if you were inspired to check Fear My Voices out, uh, to check out one of the events by following on Instagram at Firme underscore voices or going to firmevoices.org. Uh, Steve, Bertine, or is there anything else that you all want to mention before we close out the episode? Steve? Uh, you know, I just want, I want to thank you for, for having us and thank you for offering uh, this positive, positive space for everybody. You know, in this world of, of cancel culture and the negativity, you know, you bring different cultures to tell their stories, and we really appreciate you having us on the banquet. It's an honor to be. Yeah, Kyler, um, really appreciate this opportunity to talk about our movement, about what we're doing, and I hope you don't edit that part where you commit yourself to be on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely going to stay there. You have my honorable word with that. <laughs> And I, it's an honor just getting to hear you all speak about Fear My Voices. I see a lot of alignment with my goal for this podcast as well. One of the main reasons I created this podcast was to just be able to give people a platform to tell their stories. Uh, you can go on the internet and see any rich celebrities hour-long interview where they talk about absolutely nothing. Uh, so I want to make sure that we have more spaces for our voices to matter and to have space and for people to get to know the awesome work that we're doing because people see open mic and they don't really understand just all what is entailed within creating an open mic space. And as someone who hosts Black Expression from time to time, I definitely understand just how much hard work goes into what we do. So yeah, just can't thank you all enough. Uh, listeners, thank y'all for tuning into this episode. 
Uh, if y'all are new to the Banquet Hall, make sure y'all follow the Banquet Hall at Banquet Hall Pod. Uh, stick around and hear other stories on the feed. We have plenty, plenty of artists that you can hear their stories for. And we hope to see y'all at Firme Voices, Firme Expressions on Saturday, and at future poetry events and community. Uh, Routine Steve, thank you for y'all time. And I hope y'all have a great time listening to this episode. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much again, Kyler. Before I forgot, you know, I just want to do a shout out for our co-host, uh, Jessica and Soledad, which are uh, hosting also uh, with, with Steve. They're part of the team. And the rest of Human Voices, that uh, they, they know who they are, that, that you know, they're, they're supporting this movement as well. Yeah, shout, shout out to the collective. You know, Jessica, Dad, Montezuma, Chieftain, Natalia. Thank you all for helping make Female Voices what it is and what it has been. Amazing. Thank you all, and we'll catch you on next episode.